0: We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? We are in this sermon series about living the good life and what it means for Christians, for people of faith to live the good life. And so we have Paul's letter to the Romans, and here in chapter 8, and I would invite you this week to read chapter 8 because there's a lot of good stuff in there. But here he says to us, all things work together for good all things. All things work together for good. And yet sometimes, uh, despite the fact that we believe this, sometimes it's hard to see that. You know, uh, often people will say, well, God will bring good out of that tragic situation or whatever. And I I do think that's true, but then there are situations that you have to ask, well, really, where is the good in this? Uh, Today, of course, is the anniversary of the terrorist attacks on New York and Washington, D.C. And sometimes it's hard to see what good has come out of that day. You know, there were many lives lost in the buildings. There were many lives lost in the airplanes. There were uh, first responders who ran there to help and who lost their lives. There are people who are still suffering from PTSD, who still have trauma from that day. There are people who are getting cancer and dying from having breathed that dust. And yes, we can say, well, maybe something good came out of this. But 21 years later, it's still hard to see the good in that particular day. I mean, even uh, uh, things came out of it like profiling people of Arab descent. When there are a lot of them are just good people. Or, um, you know, you can think of other things. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, but there's not one uh, time that I've gone through the TSA line and said, thank goodness for TSA. I love you. But in any case, you know, maybe at some point we'll see the good in that day, but I just have a hard time really seeing the good in that particular event of 9 uh, I don't see much good that came out of Pearl Harbor, except for like someone could say, uh, who's a historian, that, well, it did bring us into the war to fight against tyranny and it brought the war to an end and all those things, so maybe. But sometimes, When we say, you know, uh, all things work for good, it's sometimes hard to see the good. And then there are times when the good really seems, I think, like a mixed bag. So, I'm sure everyone in here has at least watched a little of the news around the death of Queen Elizabeth. And you can't help but feel for King Charles III, who only can become king, which should be a great, happy, celebratory after you know all these decades of waiting to be king. Now I'm the king, and yet it only happens because his mother has died. I mean, that's really a mixed bag, right? The, the death of his mother is really not that good, the death of his mother is a very sad thing, and I'm sure he's grieving, but that's the nature of the beast, that he can only become king upon the death of his beloved mother. And at the same time, you know, now he's got to fulfill this role that doesn't even really let him grieve in some ways, because he's got to stand for the nation. What a mixed bag right there's what 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 a great thing to be to be to become be crowned the crowned king and yet what a what a tragic way to end up being the king of England to lose your mother and of course for those of us who have ever lost a loved one you know that losing of the loved one is never really fully a good thing, right? Uh, You you are supported through it, you grow beyond it, uh, you, you get to a point where you're living your life and you're doing well, but you never stop missing them. You know, you might say it was good that their suffering ended, or it's good that they're in the hands of God, but for you, it's still not a particularly good thing. You will always miss and love that person. And yet, Paul says, all things work together for good." Now, I, I think part of the problem here, to be honest, is that the way we think of good in English is not really what Paul means at all. So, we say, it was a good game. And when we say that, we mean it was fun, it was exciting, our team won, it was a good game, something positive came out of it. Or we'll say, oh, thank you for inviting me. I had a good time, by which we mean it was enjoyable. It was a positive experience. Or we'll say something like, oh, I got a good deal. Meaning once again that something advantageous, something positive came out of that transaction. So for us, when we use this word good, we're thinking something happy, something positive, something like that came out of the experience. But that's not what the word means in Greek. The word agathon in Greek, when Paul says all things work together for agathon, what that really means is all things work together for righteousness it means all things work together for godliness it means all things work together to form us and to keep us on the path and to make us go deeper in the way of jesus christ That's what Paul means. All things don't work together for a positive, happy experience. All things work together for the sake of God in Jesus Christ and for our lives following Jesus. And sometimes if we understand that this word really means righteousness, godliness, being formed in God's way no matter what comes in life, then we begin to understand that it's not always happy to do what is right. It is not always the thing we would most want to do to do what is right. Take, for instance, this Netflix series, The Crown. Anybody seen any of The Crown? You haven't. You have. Some of you have, which is, you know, this fictionalized account of the life of Queen Elizabeth, because obviously they don't know what goes on behind the closed doors. They're inventing a lot of it, but they take certain historical events. And so when Elizabeth has ascended to the throne, her sister Margaret asks her permission to marry the divorced military officer. And Elizabeth says, Oh, Margaret, I love you. I want you to be happy. Of course, you have my permission to marry him. Well, then all the counselors to the crown come around and say, you know what, ma'am, this is probably not a good thing for all of these reasons. The right thing to do is to say no and not give your permission for her to marry. And so here's Elizabeth with before her the idea of the crown and the people of England and the greater good versus wanting to do what will make her sister happy. And of course she chooses duty. She chooses to do what seems to be the right thing and not her sister's happiness. Every parent understands this. Every parent understands this, because there's little Jimmy, he's out playing, and he breaks the neighbor's window, throws a ball through it, kicks a ball through it, whatever it may be, and he comes running home, and you find him hiding in the closet, and you're like, little Jimmy, what are you doing in the closet? And doesn't want to say, and finally says, "I ah, my ball went through the neighbor's window. And you, good parents, say, well, I need you to go over to the Smiths, and I need you to tell them that you're sorry and you'll make it right. Well, Mommy, can you go? No, I can't go. You need to go. Well, Mommy, will you go with me? No, I can't go with you. Now, you want to care for and, and make your child feel good, but you also know that child has to learn to do the right thing. And sometimes doing the right thing and making them trudge over there with their little tears flowing down their face, which you know is the case, is the right thing to keep that child on the path that leads to life. The same is true for us over and over again in our adult lives. Someone comes to you and says, hey, I just got this free trip to Jamaica. It's next week, and all you have to do is pay for your food. Why don't you come? And you have a big project at work next week. And you're going to end up saying, well, most of us, I'm sorry. I, I, I have responsibilities next week. I'd love to go, but I can't. You see, doing the right thing isn't always the fun thing. Doing what is good isn't always the thing that's going to make us the happiest. Paul understands this. This is what he's trying to say. Too many people in this world live this kind of individual life. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever feels good. I'm going to do whatever I think I should do at any given time. And they aren't willing to do what is right and what is good and what Is asked of God by asked by God of us, which is why then Paul turns to saying, You know what? All things work for good for those who love God, who are willing to follow God's way, and then become brothers and sisters. With Jesus. You see, we become formed into Christ likeness by following that way of God, by pursuing that which is righteousness, by pursuing that which is godliness, by pursuing that which is good for others and not just for ourselves. I mean, think about this. Brothers and sisters in Christ is saying to us, we are given a family, we are given a community. And every one of us who has ever gone through a tough time knows that without, as, as Paul would say, the Holy Spirit interceding on our behalf, and without our community of faith, it would have been a much more difficult journey. Right? Uh, the church, if it is following Christ and not doing its own thing, which it can do, but a place like this village where we care for one another, where we support one another, where someone is down and we lift them up, where someone can't stand because of what they're going through and we stand with them. We are like Mary and John at the foot of the cross knowing what Jesus is going through and yet still standing there to support them knowing that God is still at work, knowing that God is with us, knowing that we can endure when we are in this together, that our relationships, our life together is a place of healing and wholeness. It's hard to go through things alone. That's one of the reasons that Jesus gives us each other to strengthen us, to help us, to support us. You know, uh, some of you know I've been reading brain science uh, the past few weeks and there's this really fascinating thing about brain science, about the way God has made us. And you know that when uh, an experience or a trauma comes to us, it goes in the lower part of the brain, the part of the brain that they'll call reptilian or or more like a mammal, because the thinking part of the brain is the highest part and the last part to engage, right? So something comes in and we react to it. Uh, If we have trauma and something reminds us of it, we act in the same way. But the healing happens for that trauma in relationships, which is the next level of the brain. So, uh, you know, like a child who's been abused by their dad and their dad wore this cologne, stinky cologne. And then the child's in school and the teacher comes over and bends over to help that kid with, you know, the problem or whatever and has that same stinky cologne. That child, before that child can even think is going to react maybe jump up, yell at the teacher, push him, scream, and run away. Because he can't think about it, that trigger is triggering him. But all the scientific evidence now says, if that child begins to be nurtured in a loving community, is held and cared for and knows that he is safe among a group of people, he will begin to heal he will not have to live in that sort of reactive traumatic state the rest of his life that relationships are the most effective way to be healed. And then you think about Jesus Christ asks us to live in relationship to God and one another because it is a place of healing. It's a place where, even in our brains, it's saying to us if you are gathered together with others who are loving towards you, who have compassion towards you, who will care for you and hold you, you can heal no matter what is happening. All things work together for good. You know, why is it that in England all the people are gathering together? Why is it after 9-11, everybody wanted to be in church right then? Because there is something about the healing that takes place in community. There is something about being loved and supported and cared for. You see, When Paul finishes by saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? Paul is saying that right now, here and now in this place, we're going to have some bad times. We're going to have some suffering. We're going to have some places of great pain and deep grief. But you know what? God is walking with us. You have this community that's going to walk with you and hold you till you can walk for yourself. And ultimately, says God, when you reach the doors of heaven, All will be well. You will be whole. You will be healed. You will be loved. You will be held. You will be face to face with the living God forever. And that hope sustains us. You see, no matter what we're going through, we can proclaim, as Paul does All things work for good for those who love God, for those who have community, for those who want to do the right thing, for those who believe in the way and the truth and the life put before us by Jesus. For in this life there will always be tough times. But we can say, as with the words of the Saint Julian of Norwich in the 14th century, All will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of things shall be well. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.